Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, welcome. Glad to see everyone this evening. We're on part four of the series we're doing on prayer, really warfare prayer. We've been studying from the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Tonight, we've pretty much exhausted what I wanted to say from there. We'll be moving a little forward, but we're still building on the same points. And we've looked at really about our gathering together unto Him. And really, two thoughts there. We're waiting to be gathered together unto the Lord, which will be the great beginning of the resurrection of the dead. And we're also in the meantime, but until that day we're gathered together, we gather together in prayer, according to Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered together, sunago, gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of you and whatever you ask in prayer, it shall be done for you. And so the idea of uh, this great promise to the Christian that whatever we ask, I see, I believe that too often is the case our prayers are unanswered because I think we're not meeting the criteria. And the bottom line is we're so scattered. Our hearts are everywhere to truly get on. the. I'm so thankful God said we're two or three. Or Jesus said we're two or three gathered together, not two or three hundred or two or three thousand, but two or three gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of you folks. Prayer. I believe that this is the need of the hour to get back and bring prayer to the centerpiece and focal of our worship. It literally should be that it's we've made prayer an interlude. We've made prayer a filler. We've made prayer an intro and an outro. And it's the space between the next form of entertainment. Folks, we need to learn how to pray. Uh, Jesus's disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. I believe this prayer is a learned type of prayer. And if we could ever get to the point where we pray with the with in especially in this in this type of thing we've been in second Thessalonians we were given the mandate to restrain the coming of the wicked one we don't need to just sit there and say well it's written that this is going to happen yes it is it is written it's going to happen but no one says it's got to happen right now and this is the issue that i think we need to drive home and that when we see the great heroes of faith like joshua there was no precedence when joshua said sun stand still moon stand still there was no precedence when moses said no lord he said uh uh don't he said blot my name out of the book not them I mean, when, when great intercessory, there was no precedence when Jason, Jacob wrestled with God. There was no precedence for that. At some point, the precedence will be, we just believe that God says we're the watchman and that it's on our watch and we're not going to let it happen. And the man who watches in prayer, he who watches the city watches in vain unless the Lord's watching. And so when we get into the watch of the Lord and we begin to call on the Lord and we're hearing from God and when we see the sword or we hear the famine, when we blow the trumpet and the people are warned, look, I believe it's an hour to see a great move of God in prayer. And so I say as we prepare ourselves, there's much talk of, of the verse in Second Chronicles, Chronicles 7 uh, about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will hear, heal their land. Look, the people of God want to pray, but we don't, we want to, you know, just omit the first parts of humble ourselves, turn from wicked ways. We're just expecting God because of the way the gospel has been misrepresented in our generation. People don't think repentance is necessary. And that's exactly what Second Chronicles is telling us to do. Repent, humble yourselves, repent, turn from the wicked way, pray. Then he'll hear from heaven and he will heal our land. Now, there's some good things happening right now. I'm just blessed to say Samuel Alito has written uh, the uh, argument to knock down Roe v. Wade. This would be one of the greatest things in our entire life. 
uh, for this to, to be eradicated. Listen, I don't care how loud the left screams and hollers and the, 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 the murderous voices who love to kill babies in the womb. I don't care what kind of bleeding heart they have and how angry they are. We don't need to succumb to their loudness. Boy, I hope somebody's shouting out there in, 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 in TV land out there. So please, let, tonight I want us to all turn to Ephesians chapter 6. When I came to Christ in the early 80s, this was a buzzword type teaching. And then in the 90s, it kind of resurged and went at it again. And we, 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 we're talking about warfare praying. Remember, 2 Thessalonians says, He who now restrains will restrain. That's us. We're the restraining agent of God who is here right now. Now, how can we restrain him? There's only one way, folks, and it's in the prayer. It's in the power of his might. And we're going to see that tonight. So in Ephesians chapter six, starting in the 10th verse. Now, before we even read it, like the guy said one time, he said, before I preach, I need to say something. And so the, the, the book of Ephesians, all right, Paul engaged a spirit, a demon spirit in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, the goddess Diana. He engaged that demon spirit. Now we'll get more about the, into that in just a little while. I'm going to bring that back up in a, in a few minutes. But uh, one of the terrible things right here in Louisiana, uh, the Mardi Gras, we have a, a parade to, named Artemis, which is literally the Greek word of the goddess Diana. And, 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 and Paul engaged this demon spirit in Ephesus and, and, and it started a, a, an amazing warfare. And as we, as we get into this issue about the, the warfare, it, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the whole chapter is about the resurrection from the dead. And, and Paul said, after the manner of men, I fought the beasts of Ephesus. Now, uh, now, one of two things happened. Either Paul was thrown into a re- in an arena and had to fight the wild beasts, which is po- very possible, uh, knowing his resume, it's very possible the Apostle Paul engaged in that and overcame. I would not be surprised one bit. But I believe what he was speaking of more so, because the, the Ephesian warfare, uh, I believe, took a great toll on the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, whenever he literally was arrested in Jerusalem, uh, as they sent him to Rome to be eventually beheaded, he was with uh, Trophimus and Ephesians, and, and and literally they said you were with that Ephesian in the in the temple, and he said and he wasn't. But that's really that warfare. I think it just plagued him his entire ministry. When we engage this kind of thing, a demon spirit. Now it's not to underestimate the great things. Some somebody said that they estimated the Ephesian church to be around 50,000 believers. So uh, there was, a, you know, a pretty good payoff for the warfare uh, as he uh, plundered hell and populated heaven in Ephesus. That's a wonderful thing. And so when we look at this, he said, I fought the beasts at Ephesus. I want you to notice that term. I fought the beast. Now, either he was in an arena fighting, literally fighting, or else he was fighting in warfare prayer. And I think both could very, very well be true. I don't, I, well, I know they're both, at least one of them true. I, I, he was fighting the, the in, in warfare prayer at all times. Okay. So in Acts chapter 19, he engages, uh, the goddess Diana and Demetrius, the silversmith there, who made shrines to Diana. That was his job. That's how they made their fortune. When Paul, uh, cast the demon out of that demonized little girl, then all of a sudden their, their trade was all in, 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 in shambles. They, they didn't have a way to, I mean, they, she couldn't produce anymore. And so it really put their craft in jeopardy. And so when the apostle Paul was de- dealing with this issue, I want you to see he, Demetrius made shrines to Diana. Now remember the lawless one that we're resisting. He said, is he sit, he as God sits in the temple of God, showed himself he is God. He wants to enshrine himself in the temple of God. And so we're seeing all the mechanics of what the lawless wants to do. And this is what we do. We learn his modus operandi, that he literally wants to do. He, The devil is certainly he's smart. He's been doing this way longer than us. He's smart, but he's defeated. And we'll get back into this in a little bit. But I want you to see that he can engage with this. They were making money by making shrines. So there was merchandise involved. There was a temple and it was literally idolatry 
and the goddess Diana was at the heart or the demon spirit. Diana was very at the, at the very heart of it. And literally in Acts chapter 20, when the apostle Paul was on the uh, he met with the Ephesians for the last time. And uh, they met on the seashore there. He called for all the elders there. And he and, and listen, he said, I know that after my departure, there's going to come grievous wolves. Now, I think this is very interesting. He knew all the work that he'd done, that there were they were just waiting. If we get this guy out of our way, we can begin to, sh- to, to change some doctrines and get <laughs> followers that would follow us. And Paul knew it was coming and he warned us. I believe we're right there. I believe this is where we stand today, that grievous wolves have literally raided the flock of God. And you've got multitudes of misdirections going every which way out there. And it says they, they, they're perverted the truths. They perverse doctrine. They've left the early teachings of the church. Now, I'm not going to go into all that tonight. Uh, I want to get right down to what we want to deal with. And so let's look at the verses here in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. He says, finally, the last words he has to say to the Ephesians and if the book of Ephesus is, or Ephesians is a great book. But finally, the final statement on this. My brothers, be strong in the Lord. Now. Every promise of God in the New Testament is predicated on the fact that we be found in Christ. For all the promises of God are yes and in him verily and amen. They're not yes and no. The promises of God are absolute in Christ. Now, the thing we have to do is, is determine what does that mean to be in Christ? Now, the word Christ means the anointed, right? Jesus is the anointed. It literally was a reference to the Messiah. We're not trying to say we're the Messiah. We're not trying to say any of that. But the Holy Ghost, the same spirit that dwelt in Christ, the anointed, is now dwelling in us. And we have an anointing. And we have to understand that that breaking the fellowship of that anointing is a common place. Now, listen, the relationship that you and I have with the Holy Spirit, hear me carefully. It's very conditional. Now, I know there's a lot of people don't like to hear that. They like unconditional things in Christianity. Unconditional love of God. It ain't in the Bible, by the way. So don't get mad. I mean, that's just a side note. Another night when we will attack that and just deal with it. But for now, conditions of engagement when we deal with the things of God. And so when we start seeing in the warfare prayer, the conditions that have to be met, Look, uh, we're in, uh, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord. When we deal with the relationship to the Holy Spirit, he can be grieved. Think about it. He can be quenched. He can be insulted. These are all scriptural. I'm not making this stuff up. All right. He could be even blasphemed. Now think this through. If we grieve the spirit, it means we've made him sad. He doesn't want to be around. You ever been someone who, around somebody who makes you saddened? Your their behavior is their behavior is grievous to you, and you don't really don't want to be around them. Folks, the con, the contradictory lives of people who claim to be Christian is grievous to the Holy Spirit. When we think of quenching. It means to put him out. He says, quench not the spirit. So many put the spirit out now. Uh, I I know of one church at one time had a sign on the on the wall that said, do not speak in tongues here. (laughs) That's a great statement, huh? Don't speak in tongues here. Just the opposite of what the Bible says, forbid not to speak in tongues. Makes perfect sense. They do it to everything else. Don't call anybody father. Well, call him father. Don't call him by the rabbi. Well, call me rabbi. Uh, <laughs> forbid not to speak in tongues. Well, don't speak in tongues here. Makes perfect sense. It, it, at least it's consistent, but it's consistently false teaching. So we see this kind of anomalies take place. Now, when we start seeing the Holy Spirit is grieved, all the promises of God 
are yes and amen. In Christ are yes and amen. And so if we're not in Christ, if we're not in the anointing and the anointing in us, we could look at it in so many ways of this. I am the vine, you're the branch. Every branch that abideth not in me, he, he taketh away. And so the separation from the DNA of Christ or the chlorophyll of Christ getting into the, the we're the, the branch, we're the, he's divine, he's divine, we're the branch. And so we're getting our strength from him. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and getting the strength in God's might. And now this is a whole new ball game. And this is what we have to focus on. Now, when we've reduced prayer down to some things that are just airy and uh, or just uh, conciliatory or, or uh, thank you, Lord, for a new day. Thank you for this church service today. And we just welcome your presence. Amen. Now, let's get into the entertainment. And now we've been entertained. Didn't they sing good? Hallelujah. That was some great singing. Thank you, Lord, for this offering we're about to receive. Amen. That's a nice offering. Wasn't it, folks? It got so nice. That's a good offering. Uh, now, uh, thank you, Lord, for this word we're about to hear. Amen. Hey, that's nice. That's nice. Now, we, now that was the prayers. And let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for a good day in church today. I don't think that's quite what he meant. I don't believe that has anything to do with what the Bible's teaching us on prayer. When we look at prayer as the centerpiece and focal of our worship, proskune, it's the same word as worship. It's literally like the dog licking the master's hand. It's literally our, our worship. We're, we're seated before God, waiting before God. That doesn't go well with the entertainment industry. Uh, the entertainment industry fears dead air. Oh God, there's silence. Oh, God, somebody might get up and, oh, there's silence. Hurry up, someone entertain before we get restless. This is where we are, folks. Stay with it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, if we're going to take that and look at being in Christ, all the promises of yes or yes and amen. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory and to see the glory of God in our generation. We're going to have to be found in him. All of his promises are yes, but we have prayer that people, I mean, we've, we've resigned ourselves to this kind of thinking. Well, God always answers prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. Y'all, I can't deal with that. If, if all of our answers are no, maybe we're asking amiss. Maybe we're not praying right. God is not Costco or Sam's Club. This isn't where we're over there getting our wish list. He's certainly not Santa Claus. When we're seeking the will of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of his heart. When you delight yourself in the Lord, his, his desires are yours. <coughs> when you come to the Lord and say, oh, I'm delighted to know that God's going to give me everything I want. I don't think that's quite what he had in mind. We're asking amiss. We're asking wrongly. So when we start breaking this down, if we're going to engage in warfare, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, when we're talking, look, look at it carefully. Watch where he goes on to say, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against. Look at this stand. It's a, it's part of the word for resurrection, to stand. Anahistimi is, is the resurrection, stand again. But to stand, literally for the person of God to stand. Literally when a person makes their stand and we're not backing up, we're, we're literally upright. We're standing against. Now look at this, to stand against. Now I know this has negative connotation and uh, I know Caleb tells us every day that we only speak positive and encouraged, but then we have to stand against. Maybe it's time to turn Caleb off and learn how to stand against. Well, y'all are just against everything. No, I'm against the work of the devil. I can tell you that much. All right. And unfortunately, we see more of that than we see more of the work of God right now. The work of the devil. Uh, one thing about the devil's house, it's in pretty good unison right now. 
so far as God houses, it's in a shambles. It's like it's so scattered. We better hope that God will meet us in the arena of two or three. But you better be some serious praying folk. It's in two or three. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand, therefore. Well, look at that. For Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we're going to get again into the armor of God next week. But that panoplia, the whole armor of God, we'll talk about some of that next week. But to stand against, we have an opponent. We have an adversary. And if we don't want to identify this adversary or, or if we want, look, you're not going to be nice to the devil. Listen, Christian, you got to get it out of your mind. The devil ain't going to get saved. Well, maybe if we're nice to the devil, he'll get saved. <laughs> I, we're laughing, but I'm telling you, there are people who believe the devil's going to get saved right now. They believe that it's called ultimate reconciliation. Crazy as it wants to be. The devil will not get saved. He's going to burn in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever. And so will the people who follow him. Fact. So let's stay with it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. The armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's really that word wiles is the methodology, method, methodia. It's literally the method, the MO, modus operandi of the devil. Now, let me tell you, he's got one modus operandi. Here's how it works. He lies to you so that you will be afraid. That's his whole agenda. If he can lie to you and get you in fear, he wins. You understand that? Lie? Oh, I believe a lie. Now I'm afraid. COVID's coming. Oh, COVID. You're done. You're toast. Mask. Vaccine. 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 More masks. Two masks. Three masks. Mask in the car by myself. Booster me every roll of winter. Give me more boosters. Totally be defeated. Totally beat down. I don't know if this is going to stay on Facebook long, but maybe, at least we're recording it and we'll put it on other mediums until they take it down out there too. You're not supposed to talk against that. But the issue is that when we start looking at fear, people are dying of fear right now. Anxiety. We're on every kind of pill going. If you watch the television, uh, uh, I mean, every commercial, it's like, uh, I have anxiety. And now... My anxiety pill's not working. So here's a booster anxiety pill to booster my other boosters to give me better control over my anxiety. I'm so in control of my anxiety that now I'm depressed. And so now I have depression medicine to combat my anti-anxiety medicine. We used to just call it uppers and downers. We'd take quaaludes and then we'd take some speed. And so, but now they, you know, they there's more money in it the way the doctors are doing it now. They deal in that stuff like crazy. So the point is, folks, we're in a mess. We've believed a lie because no one wants to. If you remember Second Thessalonians, where did it go to? He said they might all be damned who who had pleasure in a lie. They hated the truth. They had pleasure in the lie. Folks would rather a lie right now than the truth. They would rather a lie. And once they bought into a lie, it's it's so amazing. It's so amazing. They would rather go to hell than change. Oh, if we're wrong, we're just wrong. This is a frightening, frightening scenario when we deal with the souls of men. And you understand, you're not... <laughs> When we're trying to convince you, I'm not fighting with you about this. This is your soul. This is your, your, your salvation. And to resist so you can hold on to an easy believism and say, well, our pre and there's a lot of people who believe our way. Well, go for it then. Go, go help yourself and just enjoy it because you better have some fun right now because it's not going to be fun later. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, I want you to think about this before we move on. The power of God's might. 
God who spoke this earth into existence and the worlds that are in and made them spin at his call. God who put the oceans, the sky, the mountains. He made everything behave. He put all the plant life, the, the, the sea life. He put all the animal life. He made man. We have creator God. And in the power of our creator, he made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that's therein. We serve the mighty creator. I believe this is essential in this hour that we get a hold of that idea and move it to the forefront of our thinking that our God is the creator. And hear this. He's going to have the last word and his creation will make sure that it happens that way. He will flex the muscles of omnipotence in his creation and a one thing men can do about it. You can raise all the funds you want to on climate change, but if God wants to scorch the earth, all it'll do is burn the money you're spending. Solar powers and, you know, all this wind fields and, oh yeah, get you some bad, all that can be scorched. Oh, and hear me, read the book of Revelation. That's exactly what God's going to do. Scorch the earth. And John Kerry can't raise enough money. Al Gore can't raise enough money to stop it. We got to get Greta Thornburg to preach us a sermon, and and she can just preach away to go green. Woohoo! And it, you all look, all your green is gonna go. Stay with me. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. It's not your strength. It's not your power. It's not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's time we understand that the strength is in the power of God. And we yield to that by humility and humbling ourselves. Humble yourself, turn from your wicked way and pray. God hears not the prayer of a sinner, but he hears he's with the, he dwells with the contrite, the broken, the lowly. That's where God wants to live. He dwells with those of a broken heart. If there's not enough to break your heart right now in this generation, you watch your nightly news. We were talking before. Just want to cry over the news right now. I just want to, it just want to make you want to cry. That family whose mama was killed. That lady was testified on TV. They were, they, they, they seemed like a great family. Just senseless death of that mama. A little girl neglected who literally wasted away in a couch. How sad. If there's not enough to break our hearts right now, then maybe maybe we're too detached. Maybe we're too desensitized to pray. It's time to rend our hearts, not our garments. It's not time to act more religious. It's time for your heart to break. Say, my goodness, I am grieved over the condition of our world. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, they'll be comforted. It's only the mourning heart that's going to get the Holy Ghost. Stay with us. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the whole arm of, of God that you may be able to stand against, stand, withstand against the wiles, the trickery, the work of the devil, the methods of the devil. He wants to lie. So if I'm going to stand against the lie, I have to stand with truth. If I'm going to stand against fear, I have to literally come with faith. That worketh by love, perfect love, cast out fear. We've got to be a bold generation who is not afraid. And that's why the prayers always went back to boldness. And we'll see that in just a few minutes here. Maybe. I know it'll be next week, not in a few minutes. Next week. Keep reading. For we wrestle. Now, here's another negative kind of we wrestle. Not with flesh and blood. Now, flesh and blood there, sarks, that flesh nature. You see, we got two words. When you see flesh in, in the new covenant, you're going to see either sarks or soma. Now, they, they're very closely related. And I'm not going to say I, I totally get the full division of the two. But I can say this much. Sarks seems to imply that flesh. Literally, soma seems to imply your meat, the, the physical meat of your body. Whereas sarks seems to be that that sin nature inside of a man, that fallen nature inside of us, the sarks. We wrestle not with sarks, flesh and blood. Blood is just a Greek word. It's literally the human blood. We're not wrestling with human blood. We're not re wrestling with people in a sense. 
We're not wrestling with people, but against principalities, powers, mights. Look, we're going to get into this very uh, carefully. Again, watch it. We wrestle. Now, now think about this. Wrestling is the idea of you're going to engage an opponent. Look here. Now, we're in a generation of Christians who do not want confrontation. Now, I don't know how to wrestle without confrontation. You understand that? I just don't know how. It's not, it's, there's, it's not a possibility. We, we're going to have to confront something. Well, confrontations of the devil. No, it's not. It's not. Matter of fact, it's more of the devil for you to hold your mouth shut. All the apostles kept praying, give us boldness to speak because the devil wants to shove your words right back into your mouth. Shut up. Now you're making waves that people don't like it when you talk like that. They don't like it when you testify Jesus all the time. Quit talking about Jesus. They call you a nut. They think you're crazy. They stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. Everything in the, in the world wants to stop you from talking about Jesus. We stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against, against, we wrestle against. And wrestling, you see, an adversary tries to go at another adversary. We have an opponent and we try to go with it, go at it and literally subdue him where we pin the person or, and literally render him useless and helpless. Tap out. Come on, it's time to tap some devils out. Christians been tapping out for too long now. It's time to tap the devil out. Make him tap out. And that's putting him in a bind. That's like wrestling in prayer. When Jesus went to Gethsemane, it says he was being in agony. Go look at that word, agony. It literally is the wrestling hole and the grips that you put you in such a bind that, oh, oh, if you've never been in one of those kind of holes, you just haven't lived yet until someone gets you in a bind where you can feel the stuff tearing loose in your neck and in your head. And it's like, okay, I, I thought I was claustrophobic. Now I'm really afraid that my heart ain't going to work anymore in a minute. Uh, the, the issue is you're in such a death grip by the other person that, wow, you, you're rendered useless. All supply to the oxygen to the head is cut off and it's like, okay, I'm fixing to go. Boy, that's good wrestling stuff. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. We're not trying to engage people. So look, we don't know get another AR 15. We don't need, we don't need some more ammunition and bullets. What we need is some people who know how to pray. And if you think that's sissy talk, well, okay, that's fine. Call it what you want to. All I know is this. Before I became a Christian, I fought a lot of street fights. And I've learned this about most people. Most people do not want to fight. They want to talk about fighting. They got big mouth. They got battleship mouths and hummingbird booties. And they want to holler and talk and yeah, 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 yeah. I was through fighting before they got through talking usually. <laughs> you just go at it and just whoop that. You understand, it's time to engage in truly with warfare mentality where the spirit is engaging. When we see it, Paul, when he was in Athens, his spirit was stirred. He couldn't stand the idolatry around him and it messed with him so bad that he went into the public square and engaged. Well, that was in a different generation. Now we've come a long way. Now we've got to go get a tattoo and make it look like, see, I love the unknown God. That's, that's how we think to get you some skinny jeans in it and just look like the rest of Now, that ain't what Paul did. He went against everything there. He said, you don't even know what you, I'm coming to declare this unknown God to you. Come on, man. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, watch this carefully, principalities, Powers. Look, he keeps saying against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. He, how many times do you need to hear it? Against. We have an adversary. We have a foe. We have a 
a target in this thing. Now, you know, if sin is missing the mark, you know what uh, perfection is? Hitting it. That's literally what it means. It literally means to hit the mark. We need to understand when King, thank God King David could hit the mark. Huh? What he had a little old spot. Uh, here's the, you know, I think that's what the whole game of hockey's about. There's one spot on the goalie that's just hit that. That's what we try to do. We, King David had one spot to hit. Pow! Sunk a little rock. And that would have killed him. Just knocked him silly. And he went and cut his head off. Come on. You see, he knew how to hit the mark. We're not hitting the mark. You know, when Elijah engaged the the, 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 the demonic forces of his day, the balls, B-A-L-S, the balls. When he engaged them under the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel, you know, they, they literally, they, he, he, he prayed that it would not rain. And for three and a half years, it wouldn't rain. When he finally was shown to King Ahab, Ahab said, are you the one who troubles Israel? He said, no, 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 it's not me, it's you. You're the troubler of Israel. Well, they had this great contest. Look, a contest between Elijah and all the priests of, of Baal or the Baals. And literally you had 400 prophets of the uh, priests and 450 prophets and uh, all demonic worshipers, 850 of them total. And they make this sacrifice to Baal. And look, they all come out and they're jumping up and down and screaming and hollering and cutting themselves. And oh, the God answer by fire. We're getting no answer by fire. Elijah mocked them. Yell a little louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he can't hear you right. Maybe he's busy. Y'all, we're for Baal. Couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear us, yell a little louder. I was talking to a man this week. Dear friend. And he said he felt defeated because he had lost a very serious warfare battle. I, I totally identify with that guy. I totally get what he was saying. I had no answer right then. We have to understand this, folks. There's been so many defeats in prayer. So many defeats. I can't accept that. Nothing in me will accept that. I'll never quit praying in the affirmative way for the promise of God to happen right now. I'll never quit. But, okay, I'm not going to blame it on somebody else's unbelief. I'm not going to blame it on any of that thing. It says be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. One guy, John G. Lake, encountered a guy and he said, uh, uh, Mr. Lake wanted to pray for him. And he said, Mr. Lake, I don't really believe in that. He said, and he laughed at him. He said, I got enough faith for both of us. I was like, wow, that seems to go against the grain of everything I believe in. He couldn't care less what the belief or the unbelief of the other person was about. He believed God. I believe it's time right now for some unusual faith from the people of God. And I think one of the first moves of faith, you know, when Jesus told his disciples, they said, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins again? He said, till seven times. Jesus said, no, till 70 times seven. You know what the answer was? Read it, Luke. Lord, increase our faith. I'm convinced he had to be prophesying of the coming traffic jams that we all said. That's the only place I know you can get 490 needs for forgiveness in one drive across Baton Rouge. But the, the, the bottom line is that literally we have so many offenses built up. The greatest move of faith is to literally get the offenses out of your own heart. Believe God till your heart's clean. If we forgive not our trespasses, our brother, his trespasses, neither will God forgive us. It literally is predicated. The whole promise is predicated on a clean heart. And if we've offended God, we got to get it clean. If he's offended us, we got to get it clean. If we've offended people, 
get it clean. If they've offended us, get it clean. If we've offended ourselves, clean your heart. Move the offense out of the way. It's literally the trap of devils. Come on, man. Forgive us our debts, Lord God, as we forgive our debtors. Man, somebody ought to pray out there. Lord, forgive me just like I forgive others. Lord, if I can't forgive them, send me to hell. Come on. Pray it, somebody. You've been having a struggle. I can't get, I got this stuck. I can't forgive them. Look, put your soul in the battle. Lord, forgive me. Let me forgive them from my heart or send me to hell. Might well say it because that's where you're going anyway. Keep reading. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, let's go back on this. I want to I want to make a point when we talk about the power of God, the kratos of God. There's a very interesting similarity here, because whenever we get to this thing, I, I, I'm going to point it out real clear as we get to it. Let's start with principalities. All right. RK is the Greek word. It means first in rank or authority. First, a principality. Now, I have to say this. In Colossians, we'll read in chapter 1. I'm not going to turn there right now. But in Colossians chapter 1, it talks about the invisible creation. He said, we, you know, that God created all things visible and invisible. And then he begins to talk about thrones and principalities and powers and mights and dominions. The invisible creation of God is the is the... It's the created entity behind what we see on the nightly news. It's behind what's the power in the White House or behind what's the power in Ukraine or Russia or China. It's the power behind. It's a well, it's not really demonic. It literally is godly in nature, but it has been usurped. And look, the devil can't do this unless God allows it. Let me even get more clear. I love what Brother Charles Finney used to say. Whatever's going on in the world today is the church's fault. We need to own it, people. We need to own what's going on. Let me tell you something. I've said for years that abortion started at the altars of the church. People would come to the altar weeping, broken. And you know what they do? They say, all right, now pray this prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Amen. That's it. You're saved and you can never lose it. Sit in that pew right there and tithe. And be happy. Because that's all God wants you to do is be happy. That's an abortion. That is an abortion. A spiritual abortion. And there's multitudes of abortionists in the church right now. Who've spiritually aborted one convicted soul after another by giving them a false lead. And instead of praying their way through the cross, they were aborted with a sinner's prayer. Or worse than that, an infant baptism. That's just one example. We could go on. Fornication. fornication. The church owns fornication. Hear me carefully. That's that's intimacy without covenant. So a sinner, a, a, a full blown sinner who has not repented, he just asked Jesus to come into my heart. Never repented a day in his life. Still a beer guzzling, drinking, dope smoking, fornicating, cussing. No different from the world. Live it up selfish. But he got the assurance of salvation by a lying, grievous wolf behind a pulpit. And he's a member in good standing. And when they, when he dies, they're going to say to well, he's in a much better place. Now he's seeing the Lord. He's in glory right now. And he's probably burning in hell, frying to a crisp. Nobody's saying that anymore. You understand? That's a reality. You're promising people intimacy. You could come and pray and worship and love on the Lord, but you can be a fornicator. That's fornication. When you don't have a covenant. And I'll say another thing about fornication. The devil will glad to share you. He don't care how many partners you got. God will not share you. 
He said, I am a jealous God. Exclusivity. I'm yours and you're mine. Come on, man. So I could go on and on about the church's ownership of what's going on in our generation. I believe the church needs to own its guilt in the standing areas today. Violence. I, I could just go on and on. I won't. But hear it carefully. Principalities. See, Diana was a principality over the region of Ephesus. When Daniel prayed and Michael, the archangel, came down to meet with Daniel and he said, I, I heard you when you first started praying, Daniel. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Dude, hurry up. I'm hungry. I heard you. when, But the prince of Persia withstood me. Now think this through. Where did that withstanding happen? You see, as I understand the way things work, when we look up at the sky and we see the first heaven and as far as the best Hubble telescopes can look, that's our first heaven. When we get past that, it's called outer darkness or second heaven. This seems to be the realm where Satan fell in. It seems to be where the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world operates in that realm of darkness. The third heaven is where the throne of God is now. The fourth would be eternity itself. All of these first three are going to be dissolved until the fourth heaven is literally where eternity will take place. Remember, heaven and earth will fade away, pass away, dissolve with fervent heat because sin happened in heaven. And that's where Lucifer fell. And that's where he came to wreak havoc in the earth. And he's operating in total darkness and obscurity. And so when we see these principalities and powers Principal, an arche, a ruling. Let me show you one more. We've dealt with the prince of Persia. We've dealt with Artemis uh, right over that region of Ephesus. When we look at Mammon, this seemed to have its origin in the Chaldeans, uh, which again would be Persia. But literally, it's a spirit. I, I believe it's a general, like a, a general in the satanic army, a ruling principality over money. It creates this insatiable desire in people to have more wealth and more and more and more and more. But you want to name another one? The church is guilty of this. We're in the economy of the world, but we've left the economy of God. The apostle said, silver and gold have I none, but such I have I give to thee. Now we just give them silver and gold. We have no other. We need the such as I have, I give to thee. We need the Holy Ghost. That's what we need more than money right now. We need the Holy Ghost. Now I can hear all our charismatics out there. Oh, we got him. We got the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Maybe we should re-examine that. Because let me tell you something. In the 80s, I heard all these teachings on warfare. In the 90s, I heard them again. Now, the guys who re, re, revisited these in the 90s, like C. Peter Wagner and other guys like that, uh, they began to embrace everything. I, I literally believe they embraced the devil himself. I mean, Todd Bentley and others like him. These people were evil people. And these were the coming apostles now. And this is how you have warfare prayer. And man, we were, man, we had flags and we were waving. <laughs> We were directing, we were doing the heavenlies and directing air traffic control and getting the devil. Oh, come on, man. We had all kind of activity and hype and excitement. We didn't have no power. We had fun altar calls and excitement at the altar and people falling down and get back up, fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up. And nothing happened. Unrepentant sinners walked away, entertained. And now we've just upped the ante on hype every week. Keep up in the ante on hype. Folks, we're out of gas. People are literally it's like we've been gaslighted long enough. That ain't power. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We're right here in Louisiana. Every year we have a feast to every devil they could dream of down in New Orleans, have a parade for demons. It literally is a parade for demonic. 
I, I come against this every year and start screaming and hollering about it. No one who participates in revelry is going to enter the kingdom of God. Yet Christians are out there. Throw me something, mister. Throw me something, mister. Throw me something, mister. We're parading out. It's a debauched thing. Oh, but it's fun and family entertainment. You wonder why, if you wonder why Louisiana is first in everything evil and last in everything good, look no further than the Mardi Gras. And thank the Catholics for it. Y'all know, did I hear a collective sigh in radio land out there? <laughs> Stay with me. Principality. A ruling spirit over the area. You realize the first missionary trip I ever went on was in Haiti in, in uh, 1982. I was in Haiti and, and it was October 31st when we landed in Haiti. And it was the high point of voodoo ceremonies. I mean, it's Halloween here. It was the high point and they had rah-rahs. You know what a rah-rah is? It's a Mardi Gras parade. They were smaller. Wasn't like Rio de Janeiro or New Orleans. It was smaller. They had little rah-rahs going on everywhere you went. And I'm telling you what we saw in those rah-rahs, you do not want to know. The whole point of the rah-rah was to get demon-possessed. They literally lived to get, I wish some Christians would say, I want to get possessed by the Holy Ghost. I wish there would be some rah-rahs for the Holy Ghost and say, I ain't going to quit until I'm so full of the Holy Ghost, there ain't nothing left of me. I saw a person slithering like a snake on the floor, full of the devil. I won't say what else I saw. Horrible stuff. That's the origin of Mardi Gras. <laughs> So, oh, it's, it's just, we're just having a parade. We're having be look, I ain't going, I'll stop. Principal, now powers, you see, exousia, authority. Now there's real authority behind these seeds. See, God invented all this. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth are mine. Why? Because he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him the name above every name. And now whenever he told his last parting command to his disciples, he said, all exousia in heaven and earth are mine. All authority belongs to God. Go therefore and make disciples of the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Come on, man. I'm talking about all authority belongs to Jesus, but now the usurpers of authority are seated in seats of authority. When I think of the authorities, we see flesh and blood embodying an office. Okay. And when we look at them, they make you, they make you, I mean, it makes you sick. I mean, it literally, God, it makes you want to get in the flesh and just make you want to hate somebody. When we see the power of a blinded soul who is being used as a pawn of demons, and most of them are religious to the bone. We have to stand against that, folks. Well, Nancy Pelosi's a good Catholic girl. Joe Biden's a good Catholic boy. They're all our brothers and sisters. I'm not talking politics here, folks. I really am not. I'm talking about prayer and where to affect it at. Folks, at some point, we stand against the stupidity of what's going on in public office. I was in jury duty today. They said, was there anything that uh, uh, a policeman may have done to offend you that you would have a problem hearing the testimony of a policeman? I'm sitting there thinking, no, but plenty of lawyers have. I'm cringing listening to you talk. Plenty of judges have. I got, <laughs> but police, not really. I mean, when they say stop, I stop. And they say, oh, you get a ticket. Okay, buddy. And I did it. Write it. But, but attorneys and judges. <laughs> what's the new uh, judge of the Supreme Court? Brown? Is that her name? What's, what's her name? I don't even know her name. I'm trying to forget. 
Yeah, the woman. Huh. Ma'am, can you define a woman for Well, I'm not a biologist. You're talking about a person with a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the United States is dumber than a box of hammers. This ain't a political issue. This is just stupidity. Demonically, demonic field people in office. When the wicked rule, the people groan. I groan at that $5 diesel I put in my truck. Groan when it was it's just right there in the ground. Get it out right here. Never mind. The next one. Well, I've got a few more minutes. Watch this. I want to, I've got to get to this one. Rulers. We stand against rulers. Look at this. The rulers of the darkness of this world. Cosmocrator. Now remember I told you that the power of God is kratos. Cosmocrator. World powers now. Now this is what boggles the mind. Making a distinction between flesh and blood and the demonic that's driving them. It's hard to differentiate that. It's so easy to get caught in the spirit and just say, you know, I mean, I can remember when I used to, you know, Tom Daschle made me throw up. Then, you know, Harry Reid made me throw up. Now Chuck Schumer's making me throw up. So you, you could go on down the line. It's like, it's a spirit behind them. And whoever's next is going to make you throw up. It's like, golly, is there any end? No, there's not an end to it. Are these conspiracy theories? No, these are demonic one thing about the devil, his house is united. He is standing together. That's one thing about it. I mean, the evil people have no problem rallying together. It's the righteous who have a problem. It's like everything offends us. I heard about an Amish community that they were they would split. Uh, they split the church because some had buttons and others believed that pins were the proper way to, to that buttons were were uh, too much of the world. Wow. OK, we should kill each other over that. But it ain't much different. We should have green carpet. No brown is the way. Pews, no chairs. It all stinks. Cosmocrators, the rulers of the world, of the darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, look at, look at this. I want to I make you read this verse, chapter 2, verse 2. Wherein in time past, look, verse 1, you who, are, you who is quickened, who were dead in your trespass and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Well, ain't we all God's children? No. Let me say it again. No, we're not all God's children. I know that Santa Claus knows we're all God's children and that makes everything right. But the Bible says we're not. Okay. No matter what Gene Autry said, listen carefully. We're the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Disobedient to what? The word of God, the commandment of Christ. Well, you're just talking about work salvation then. Shut up. That's just so stupid. Now, that argument is so stupid. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. But I can tell you one thing. Try to be kept without works. You'll go to hell on your blessed assurance. Keep reading. Look what it says. The, the, the spirit. That now works the spirit, the demonic entity that's driving behind people who are literally disobedient to Christ. And look, I, I mean, they're dead in trespass and sin. Folks, there's only one remedy to that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we're preaching such a soft gospel. We're not getting to it. Can you imagine going to your doctor and said and, and the doctor said, look, you've got a, a blockage in your heart. And what we're going to do um we're gonna. Um, we're just gonna use this stethoscope and just listen to it. Why? 
Well, otherwise we'd have to cut you open. Or we'd have to go in through your vein and put a stent in there. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to be so invasive to you. You know, your body's a private thing. We don't want to invade it. Really, Doc? That's what we're going to do? Yeah, we're just going to use our stethoscopes on it. Oh, good. Now, how much time do I got? Oh, you're going to die any minute now, but at least we'll hear it. You see, this is kind of the foolishness where we are in the church today. There are people who need, literally need to be torn open, chest cut open, and a, a whole self-ectomy done. I'm talking about maybe using an axe, not a surgical instrument. An axe would probably be better. The axe is laid to the root. I mean, we just need to get in a bloody mess. We need to go back to the bloody mess of the cross and literally gut some people. You know, Charles Finney had a wonderful way of going to a church and getting everybody unsaved. If you would like that happen in your church, please call me. You can visit our website at www.housechurchesusa.com. Say, Brother Terrell, come over and get our people unsaved. I'll be there shortly. You can fire your choir and all. I don't need no help. Conviction will rule the hour. It would be my pleasure to gut them. And prayerfully bring them to Christ. Let me finish this up. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. You see, the same power used for God is used for Satan at this point. But except Satan's power is applied to worldliness. God's power is applied to the eternals. And when you and I would step into that and get out of the the, the place we're in and said, now we're seated with him in the heavens and begin to pray from a different posture and a different position. And then begin to pray like we're above it. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is above the law of sin and death. And God begins to raise up a standard people of holy and righteousness who are full of the Holy Ghost and fire, have a baptism of fire, who preach with fire, who call down fire. He maketh his ministers a flame of fire. They asked Wesley, he said, how you draw these crowds? He said, I set myself on fire and the people come look. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three calls Satan the God of this world. Again, the spirit in this world and worldliness is common fare today. Uh, Barf Brooks just came to Baton Rouge. And every every Christian friend on Facebook Garth Brooks was awesome. He was the best I ever saw. Well, Garth Brooks, help me now. Really? 102,000 people in Tiger Stadium. I tell you what, you're going to have friends in low places for eternity. If you think it's going to be fun, y'all going to all be drinking beer and tell a joke. That was a lie. Spiritual wickedness in high places. How about wicked spirits in high places? Folks, I'm telling you, we've gotten people so demonized now that are literally leading our country, our states, our school boards. Our school boards. I'm thankful right now that there's grassroots movement of parents saying, oh, no, you're not putting these perverse books in our kids. Thank God for that. I'm thankful that people are waking up to this and just say, no, 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 no. I, I read about a, a parent who went and started reading a book from their children's library. And it was so vulgar that one of the school board members interrupted and said, hey, this is going out over uh, uh, live feed. Uh, our children might hear. It's available to our children at your decision. Every one of those members gets a free tax paid copy of the book. They know exactly what they're putting in our children. These demons. You see, it's just the ability. And, and, and look, when I got saved, all right, the fight didn't go away. I would, I would like for, I really wish I was one of the people who had no fight in them. Just 
so mellow. I am so not that. All right. But it, it literally becomes a thorn in the flesh at times. And I, and I don't want it to be. I really, I, I really, I mean, it's, you know, he says put on the whole armor of God, but he also says, you know, you put off these things, but put on these, you know, there's an undergarment in there. If we don't have our under, if we don't have our drawers on, you get pretty chafed. You know, it's just as simple as that. You can't fight without no underwear on. You got them on them coats of armor and whoo-hoo. Yeah, I can't go nowhere. I'm going to need a little bit of uh, Dr. Scholes or something up there. We, we have to, we have to understand that the undergarments of God have to be there, that we still love folk, but we're fighting a devil that hates our guts and he wants to send us to hell. He wants to deceive us and make us afraid. I'm going to stop. We'll talk about this next week. I'll get you some underwear on. We'll get rest with the garment next week. God bless you. Have a great week. Love y'all. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.